Today, I'm going to talk a little bit about this idea of being with Jesus every single day. And so I decided uh, I was going to kind of simulate for you uh, what's at home in my prayer closet. So a couple of years ago, uh, I got motivated. Uh, I had a really big space in our master bedroom closet. And, uh, and I thought, okay, I think I can do something to create a little space here. I know, you, you know, I have seven people in my house. So finding a place that's not inhabited by someone or is not loud and obnoxious is, can be difficult. So, so um, we, we carved out a little space in the closet, and then I got this old chair. This chair is like, I think Amy's grandma owned it, and it is old and uh, ugly. We didn't want to put it anywhere where people could see it, and so we, we, we hid it in, in, the, in the closet, and, and, and it was, it's all ratty, and I covered it with a sheet, and this is, this is my sheepskin from New Zealand when I went to visit there. It's really nice and soft. It's very wonderful uh, on those cold mornings that we've been having recently. Recently, and uh, and this is just an old um, an- kind of an antique table that we we had out in the garage, and so um, so we we took it, and of course this is my stuff. These are some books that I'm reading. I have a clock. I have my I have my lamp, <laughs> and um, and so I really enjoy getting in my closet and pr- and praying and just being. It's really private. And it's really quiet. And it's really wonderful. And um, these are these are my <laughs> these are my actual clothes. I brought these from home. This is all my actual stuff. All this is my... Now, this is not mine. This is... This is, this is not mine. This is... This, I think, is an outfit, a costume that my wife has worn. Yeah, yeah. I think she, she wore it at Halloween or something a few years ago. Here's what I wore that year at Halloween. It's, I did not really wear that. I couldn't bear to put it on. Um, and so, and so uh, these, these are all my clothes. These are my, I, got, I got suits here that I never wear. It's awesome. You know, they're just in my closet. So, so it's interesting. You know, you may not have a, a, a place like that where you can find in your house, but it's amazing if you really try that you can find some place to be with the Lord. And, and I, I want to talk about that idea today, what it looks like to be with Jesus um, every day, to be with Jesus every day. And, I, and, and, and when, I, when I get into my uh, closet, I, I come in and, um, you know, I, I'll, I'll, I'll take my phone and often I'll just start with Thanksgiving. In fact, I start almost every prayer meeting with Thanksgiving. I start ev- every, every time of prayer with the Lord, I just begin with being thankful. You might, be, you might say to yourself, I, I don't know, life is so hard and things are so bad. I'm having such a tough time. I don't know how I could be thankful. Here's what the Bible says, Philippians 4, 6. It says, don't be anxious about anything. Whatever you're anxious about, but in everything with prayer and petition, meaning, meaning it's okay to bring your petitions to God, and with thanksgiving, the phrase says, the, the verse says, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And here's what the next verse says, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding in other words, you can't figure out how it works, but it, it's a mystery. The peace of God will guard your heart and your mind. And I, I think that being with Jesus every day is a defining idea for our lives. It defines us as his people. And so, and so if you look, you know, I'll, I'll, turn on my, I'll turn on my Pandora. I'll begin to thank God. 
I like Worship Central. It's a great um, Pandora station. Uh, and I'll just turn it on in my little closet, and I'll just start in. I'll just start thanking God. I'm going to talk to you about how I, I do that and some things that I think will be really helpful. Um, on Pandora, it's so funny because I'm too cheap to have the one that costs, so I, I actually have to... Um, endure the commercials, so I'll be there praying, and then a commercial will come on, and <laughs> radiant plumbing, <laughs> anyway, but it's okay, Jesus is with me, sometimes my kids will use this prayer closet, sometimes my kids will be like, you know, Owen's eight years old, and he'll come in like, dad, I, I need to be alone, <laughs> and so he'll go, and he'll go in the closet, and shut the door, and turn off all the lights, turn on the little lamp, and then just be there, and 10 minutes later, we'll see him come out, and just like, did you have a good time? Yeah, it was good. <laughs> Feel better. Um, so let's talk about being with Jesus every day. From last week, you know, if you want more on this idea, you go back to last week's podcast, but we looked at the Sermon on the Mount, and we read this verse, and here it is. It says, this is Jesus, and he's speaking, and he says, but you, when you pray... Go into your inner room, close your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. <laughs> As I was thinking about putting my prayer closet on the stage, I wasn't sure I was obeying this scripture. <laughs> but that was supposed to be funny. <laughs> but, but for illustration purposes, I think Jesus is probably okay with it. There, there, but there is a... There is a thing here that I want you to see in the scripture. Three times in this message, Jesus tells the people who are listening, his disciples and others, he says, I want you to do these things in secret. In this verse, he says, I want you to go in and close your door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees, who sees what is done in secret will reward you. God sees everything. We, we kind of act in so, sometimes like he can't see what's really going on, but he sees it all. Amen. He knows what's going on in our hearts. And Jesus is, is kind of, I mean, this is pretty significant for him to say it three times. To do things in secret, to give to the poor in secret, to pray in secret, pray and fast in secret, and then to, uh, to fast in secret. And so he, he, he's challenging us the people who are listening, and I think the challenge for us is to do something with Jesus that is away from everyone else, that begins to define who we are. And as we said last week, I think the primary reason to do this, the primary reason to be with Jesus in a private way is because we want Jesus to be the only opinion that really matters. We want his opinion to be the only thing that directs our lives, that everything else we're doing in a public way, everything else people see us doing, right? And sometimes we do it for them. Sometimes we do it because we know we have to or are supposed to. But Jesus wants you, your, your, your life, your outlook, your direction to be shaped by his opinion and not others. And as we spend time with him every day, his opinion grows in our lives, in importance, in value. And 
I think we, we know, you know, that Jesus is with us, right? We, and this is, I meet a lot of Christians who talk this way. You know, Jesus is just with me all day. All day. I have time with him all day long. You know, I just talk to him, and that, and that is very, very good. But it's, it's kind of like marriage. When, when I'm with Amy, Amy and I are doing stuff all day, all week long. We're raising kids. We're working on the house. We're doing all kinds of stuff. We're pursuing different things with other people. We're, we're investing in people's lives. All that is going on. And if I never spend intentional time with her, guess what happens to our marriage? It starts to disintegrate. It's, uh, if she doesn't want to have time alone with me, that's a problem. And if I get so busy accomplishing that I'm not giving her intentional time, something happens, a distance begins in our relationship, even though we're working together, even though we're together every single day. I think this is the same way it happens with Jesus. So yes, you are supposed to talk to him all day, every day. There is an interaction, but I'm arguing for some intentional time. What I'd like you to think about is some interaction with him. And, and when I say, when I talk about interaction with Jesus, sometimes people ask me, well, who do you, so is it Jesus or is it the Father? Or is it, how are you, who do you, is it the Holy Spirit? Yeah, here's what I think. Jesus taught us to pray to the Father. But he gave us his name to pray in. <laughs> and he gave us the Holy Spirit to remind us of everything that he had said. So in some ways, it, it's, um, it's all, they're all involved in your prayer life. The Trinity is a little bit of a mystery. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's a bit of a mystery. But here's what I've resolved. When you pray to one of them, the others get to hear it. So it's okay, and I think there is a way of, there is a way, one of the, the ways that you have a time with God is you engage with the Father in all of his aspects and his love for you as, your, as his child. And then you, talk, then you begin to pray to the Son, and you, you thank him for his sacrifice and his, his life that he's given to you and how he, lo he loved you so much that he laid down his life. And then you talk to the Holy Spirit and you allow your, the Holy Spirit to come and, and just to refresh you and to give you strength and life. And you have to be filled with the Holy Spirit every day. You know, because as you've heard me say, people leak. Everything that's in us leaks out. If you're frustrated and angry all the time, that's going to leak out into your coworkers and into your family. Whatever's in you leaks out, and it leaks out every day. So if the peace of God is in you, that's going to leak out too. If the Spirit of Christ is in you, that's going to leak out to others. There, there is this thing, the reason the Bible teaches us to pray every day, and the reason it tells us to be filled with the Spirit each day is because it, it leaks out into others and for others, and you, you become empty, and so you have to recharge, you have to fill up every day. So I, I think um, it, it, that's a great way to pray and to have a time with God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so let's look at this. Mark 1.35, you can follow along in your message notes. Here's what, here's what we can learn from Jesus and how he did it. It says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. How do we make prayer part of our everyday life? I think there's three things, all right? The first thing is, I think we've got to find a certain time. A certain time of the day. This says, Jesus got up very early in the morning and spent it with his heavenly Father. I think we have to... 
I think we have to make an appointment with God and keep it. I think it's the one of the measuring sticks for devotion. We measure our devotion to God by whether or not we can make an appointment with Him and keep it. If you can't keep an appointment with God, if you make a commitment to keep an appointment with Him but you cannot keep it, that means life is running you too fast and too hard and your priorities have to shift. If you are unable to make an appointment with, with Him and keep it, that's a significant thing. It creates a spiritual discipline in our lives and it's a, a, it's a big deal. Um, some say you've got to give the, God the best part of your day, and so that's the morning, and you give everything else. I've heard people say, whatever you give to God first, it blesses everything else, and I think that's a good way to look at it. But what if you're not a morning person? <laughs> I've, re I've realized in Austin there's like a late-night culture. Like uh, people are out late, crazy late uh, at restaurants and stuff. What if, what if you're so grumpy in the morning that even Jesus doesn't want to talk to you? <laughs> Okay, well, here, let me suggest something. If you're so grumpy that not even Jesus wants to talk to you, that could be a signal you need to get up in the morning and have some time with Jesus because you need to surrender something to him because your flesh is really strong and you want things just your way or you get grumpy. Jesus will help you with that. The Holy Spirit will guard you and guide you and direct you. So I think you have to have a dedicated, dedicated time to meet with God. A dedicated time, not, not just like sometimes I'll pray in the shower or I'll pray in the car or I'll, you know, I'll, I'll pray in all these places, but I think there's dedicated time that's really important. Here's what Psalm 46 says. It says, be still and know. There has to be time in your life. Every one of us are going so fast, so often. We're in such a hurry. We have to have time where we just stop. We just, we just close ourselves in and we just stop and we just listen. We just let him speak to us. When I was a young man, I, of course, I grew up in church. My dad was a pastor, and so I've, I've, I've heard about time with Jesus every day for a long time. And for a, long, for a while, I experienced a lot of guilt and condemnation for missing. You ever experienced that? I'm like, I'm trying to be with Jesus. Oh, I missed today. He doesn't like me. And then you spend three or four days trying to prove to him that you can do it, and then he'll like you again. That has nothing to do with the gospel, by the way. That is not a picture of who Jesus is or what he wants from you. What we're talking about when we talk about Christians, for the Christian, for the believer, Christianity is a relationship with God. It doesn't have, it doesn't have everything to do with rituals and with appeasing God or proving to him that you're okay. That's the opposite of the gospel. The gospel says you're not okay and you need real help, and so you need to come to him for help. That's what the gospel is. And so don't hesitate. Uh, when, you, when, you, when you fail to meet with him, don't worry about it. The next morning, get yourself up and meet with him. He's welcoming you. He's waiting for you. Amen. When I was in college, we had a, a season where we were doing early morning prayer. I mean, there's nobody who's worse at early morning prayer than college students, right? So we, we, we had this guy who was the president of the spiritual life department at ORU, and his name was Larry Lee, and he was, became famous for a book called, Could You Not Tarry One Hour? It's the words of Jesus. He's quoting, Could You Not Tarry One Hour? That book was the source of more guilt in my life than anything else that I ever read. <laughs> 
But what the premise of the book and what he was trying to do was break down the hour into something really simple. And he took the Lord's Prayer and he, and he, and he helped everybody just spend time with Jesus. And what, what was really a good decision. We, I, just wanna, I just want you to guard from the accuser, the enemy of our souls, who will just kind of stick this in your face as something that gets in the way of you and God. That, 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 that is not the message that God wants you to get out of today. The message that I want you to get out of today is there is nothing better for you or for me that gives us more strength, more peace, more hope. There's nothing that defines our life as well as being with Jesus. So I want you to want it. I've sat through two worship services today, and in these worship services, God has been speaking to me and speaking to us. And when we're together, there is just such a thing. That same dynamic, it, it happens a little differently because there's not everybody else with you, and it's easy for your mind to wander. So I'm going to show you a couple of ways how to, how to, how to be focused, all right, as we go on. But first, first foremost is a certain time. Make an appointment and try to keep it. You can change it from time to time. You can do it late at night. You can do it early in the morning. But the goal is that we'll be with him all day and some intentional time during the day. Number two, I think you have to have a certain place. I think it's good to have a certain place. Jesus had a prayer place. And your place needs to be an undistracted environment. An undistracted environment where you can pray out loud and maybe even have some worship music. Put, turn your Pandora on, whatever you want it to be. And, and I think music is a big deal. I think it def starts defining the space. And so you turn that music on, and, and when you have a, a place that you go to every time, it, it snaps your mind back into where you've been, into the priority of your life. A place kind of puts you in the mindset, the right mindset to meet with him. And let, make no mistake, the battleground for meeting with Jesus is in the mind. Because everything that's so distracting. So what I do sometimes is I'll be, I'll be there and I'll be sitting in my chair and I'll turn on my Pandora and it's playing and I'm just starting to pray and, or I'm reading my Bible and then I'll start thinking of all kinds of stuff. Boom, 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 boom. And, and I'll, what I'll do is I'll have a little pad of paper or I'll write it down in my smartphone and I'll just write it down and then put it down so I can go back to praying because I can get to it after Right? Some, so so you've got to have a little pad of paper. You've got to have something that you're, you're going you're gonna to deal with your mind on, you know, and, and, and you, can, you can work with it afterwards. Um, I think defining a space has to do with repetition and routine, which I believe are significant building blocks of spiritual growth and maturity. S repetition and routine are spiritual building blocks of growth and maturity. And I think we, we repeat things. That's why I, I, like I'm concerned about our, a culture that, that goes to church once a month because it's not a good routine. I'm concerned about a culture that doesn't meet with a community, a small group every week because there's not a routine in it. If there's no repetition, 
There's something that, that, is, that, that we, just, we just get out of sorts, or we're just sort of led around by what's going on around us. I think repetition and routine are these, are these, these things inside of us, in our character, in our discipline, and we begin to practice them. And at first, sometimes they're hard, they're difficult, right? Because you've got to get up early, you've got to say no to the flesh, and, and you've got to get up and do what you sh- know you should do. And so you do that, but you ask the Holy Spirit to help you, and then you meet with Him. And, and I, I'm, I'm telling you, it, it takes on a life of its own. And then you get busy again, and you, and you leave it out, and then you realize, oh, i got to get back to that because that was really good. Here's what, here's what I was thinking about. I was thinking about my, my kids who play basketball. Most of them have played basketball. We went to a game yesterday. Uh, Owen is uh, eight years old. He's playing eight-year-old basketball. And uh, they are terrible. <laughs> I mean, they, they're just our, our little guys on our team. They haven't played before. They, they, they're kind of all in their first time of playing, and I don't know where these other teams have been practicing. I don't know what is going on with it. I mean, these other eight-year-olds, it's like they've been playing since they were three or something. Whether they were in diapers or something, running plays, I don't get it. You know, so I'm sitting there, I'm running the scoreboard yesterday, and I'm like watching, I'm like, oh, jeez, 38 to 40. You know, it's just like terrible. And, and so, I'm, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. The truth is, Owen hasn't practiced enough. Daddy hasn't practiced with him enough. Ugh. So, so and, and none of these kids really had practiced with a coach enough. And so they're learning. And, and, and actually, they scored the most points they'd ever scored in a game. They got 10 points. They went to double digits yesterday. <laughs> It was awesome. They had the first steals they've ever had yesterday, and they had a, a bunch of them, like four steals. And uh, so it's, it's, it's wonderful. They're in process. But here's, here's what it reminded me of. I, I played basketball as I was growing up. I played point guard. I played in high school. And so um, you, you practice over and over again dribbling, right? You're dribbling, dribbling, dribbling. In fact, Owen's been dribbling around. We have a tile floor all on our first floor, and he just dribbles, dri- dribble, dribble, dribble. So annoying. But he's dribbling, you know, and he's, what, what he's trying to do is get comfortable, get totally comfortable with the ball. He's trying to get to where he's not thinking about dribbling because it's just happening naturally. And there's a, there's, a, there's a thing that happens when you start feeling like the ball is part of you. It's an extension of your body. And when you shoot shots, what happens is what you're doing is you're, you're learning muscle memory. You have muscle memory that you're shooting, and you shoot hundreds of free throws and, and hundreds of shots, and you shoot all over the floor, and you shoot by yourself before practice and after practice. And then during practice, you're, you're working on defense and things like that, and you're shooting over and over and over again. You're teaching your body how it should be done. And what happens is you get to such a place of repetition that your body remembers it and memorizes it, and your muscles do the same thing every time you shoot. That's the goal. Every time you shoot, it's the same. So that when you get in the game and somebody's guarding you and they're bumping you, your your muscle memory, even though you've been bumped, you're going to try to make the shot the way it's supposed to be made. And you're going to be able to resist the, the guy who's guarding you because you're just going to do it this, the way you've done it every single time. And in the same way, I think being with Jesus is like sp- strengthening your spiritual muscle memory. So what happens at work? Things go bad. Things go wrong. You're in trouble. You're having a hard time. 
you've got spiritual muscle memory. You've been with Jesus. You're just going to respond the way the scriptures teach us to respond. You're going to respond the way that God has taught you in private. You're going to respond that way publicly. When the pressure's on, then you've, you've, you've built muscle memory into your spirit, into your life. This is why being with Jesus every day is so important because, listen, the devil's after you. He doesn't play fair. He doesn't play nice. And, and the fact that, you know, all across our culture, we, we, we've got to increase our understanding of the Scripture. We've got to increase our time with the Holy Spirit in order to deal with what's going on. I think, it's a, I think it's a huge thing. It's not about a ritual. It's about being involved in life and including Jesus with you. And Jesus is always calling you back to that place. He's always going to call you back to himself. No matter what you're doing, if you're doing ministry, if you're serving people, if you're, if you're on a team, if you're leading a connect group, all that's, it's all good. Jesus is always going to call you back to himself. Look what he did in Mark 6 with his, with his own disciples and his, the apostles. He said, the apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Jesus had sent them out and they'd done all these incredible things. And then because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. This is always the heart of Jesus. We're not talking about a legalistic system. We're talking about a relationship. We're talking about gravitating to him. The third idea is a certain place. Oh, sorry, a certain plan. You've got a certain time, a certain place, and a certain plan. And I, I think you ought to go into your, um, into your time of being with Jesus with a plan. Um, I, I use the one-year Bible as kind of my go-to, the one-year Bible plan, and I like version. Uh, it's an app that you can download the scriptures on. It has tons of plans that you can pick from. I think you kind of have a, you need to have a base, a, ho a home base that you go to every day, and then you can read other things as well. And I think the Bible is an indispensable tool for knowing God. It's an indispensable tool for knowing God, but be, be careful. Because reading the Bible doesn't guarantee relationship. The Bible is a record of God's interaction with humanity, and it is wonderful, and it is given by God. But I just want to remind you of something. Abraham had nothing written, and he met with God. The Bible calls him his friend. Many of the early Old Testament characters didn't have the law. It wasn't written. It was just interacting with God. That's how it started at creation. God gave us the scriptures throughout time and throughout history to unearth his, how he interacts with people and, and to make sure that that moved forward within history. And it is a blessing. It is a gift. It is an essential tool for knowing God. But it doesn't guarantee, you know, you version 
the Uversion app, Y-O-U version, all right? That's what it's called. You can look it up at uversion.com. If you have it on your smartphone, it will give you a, uh, a reading through the Bible in one year, and, and then it gives you your each day's reading, and it, it puts a little check mark by your, by your little reading thing, and it goes through the five things, and, and you get to that last check mark, and, and it scrolls through the numbers, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and whatever day you're on, then it goes to that day, and it's like, congratulations, you finished day 14. And that feeling is so good. It's like so nice, but don't get addicted to that feeling of accomplishing it. Get addicted to the relationship that you have with Christ, the work of the Spirit in you, the silence that you experience when you be still and know that He is God, when He calls you to Himself, when you go in there, and listen, I'm not a I, I think if you've been around here any amount of time, you know I'm okay with going in your prayer closet and screaming and yelling at God. You Read some psalms. Read some psalms. How long are you going to forget me? Yeah, listen, we all go through seasons like that. The, cl- the prayer closet is where you find that expression and where you open up your soul and you pour it out to God. He meets you there. He meets us there. And so if you look at resources, just real quickly, I'm just going to go through this quickly. I think we ought to have a study Bible. Everybody ought to have a study Bible. My personal favorite is the Life Application Bible. You can order it online. It has study notes. It has all kinds of different options for reading about the authors of the different books of the Bible. It has study notes at the bottom of each page. I think it's great. I think you ought to have a trusted translation. I use the NIV a lot. I'll use the NASB, New American Standard Version. Um, I also think the ESV is a pretty good one. And the NLT is something I've kind of gravitated to more and more. The New Living Translation, and it is a translation that was worked on for several years. And so uh, the blessing of living in the 21st century is you've access to all these translations. You, you, can, you can read it in four different ways for your Bible study. That's a great, great thing. For new believers who just are trying to figure out everything, I'm okay with things like the Message Bible, which is kind of a, a, an individual who translated, so, but into kind of a modern-day phrasing. So it's a paraphrase in many respects, all right? So here's three, here's three Bible study websites I want to, you to look at, all right? You got... Um, Biblehub.com. You got Blue Letter, Blue Letter Bible, right? Isn't that what it is? Yeah, BlueLetterBible.com, and then BibleStudyTools.com. And each of these kind of have a little different take on Bible study tools. You can look up words. You can look up Greek and Hebrew uh, words in it, and and it's really helpful. Then there's a three devotional resources. All right, here's three devotional resources that I like: Oswald Chambers, My Utmost for His Highest. It's it's like the gold standard in devotions. He is he's a brilliant man. Um, and, and just had a way with saying things and, and kind of digging into our, our heart and our soul. I also like uh, Jesus Calling. Uh, it was actually in my prayer closet when, um, when I brought all the stuff here, but this is Sarah Young, and these are really good little readings every single day, really helpful. And then, of course, um, there's stuff like um, the Navigator series, Seven Minutes with God. There's a whole series of that, and you just, you just read it, and, and it's really helpful. The Navigators are some of the best people who have provided some studies, some Bible study material, and, and time with God resources, all right? And then you've got three prayer plans. You can look at the, the extra little handout that you got when, when you came in this morning. And, um, and if you look at that, 
you'll see that on one side is the Lord's Prayer. And I just put some phrases in there. Jesus never intended for this just to be quoted. He intended for it to be a pattern. He intended for it to, to, for us to pray on these subjects and take our time and talk to, to God about these. All right? About forgiveness. About forgiving other people. About how, your daily bread. <laughs> I always want to play, pray for monthly bread. I want him to give me all the bread I need for the month, and then I'll take care of it. But he wants to give me daily bread, and that's a, a little bit harder. And so, and so he, you pray through all that stuff, and it's really good. It's funny. When you first start praying, when you first start spending time with Jesus, it's like you, you pray for everything you know. You read some Bible, and it's been, you know, like looking at your clock, it's been like nine minutes. What in the world? What else do I pray for? I don't know. It's just crazy. <laughs> that's okay. It's, it's okay. That's why I'm giving you some tools and some resources because what you will find is as you pray through some of these things, you will quickly discover that you need more time to talk about these things with God. And as you desire more time with Him, that's going in the right direction. On the other side, Dick Eastman's been teaching this prayer wheel over an hour. The, he calls it the hour that changes the world. And you pray through all of these subjects all the way around, five minutes a subject, and you just take your time. You can find it on, online. Uh, you can look up Dick Eastman's prayer wheel, and it'll, it'll give you several different sites you can find. That. Dick Eastman is a brilliant guy, has is really invested a lot in in prayer uh, and, and teaching people how to pray. Concentric prayer circles is a really fabulous thing, and sometimes that's a way to pray. You, you, have your, you pray about your own heart, what's going on with you. You give that all to God. Then you pray for your family, pray for each of my kids, pray for my wife, uh, pray for our, my community, my neighbors, my, my connect group. I'll pray for people around me, and then I'll pray for my city. I'll pray for God's plan and purpose to be accomplished in our city because he has a, he has a desire for people to be called to him. And then I pray for our United States of America and how much trouble we're in and, and, and how he's, he's working the affairs of, of history with his sovereignty and his, his desires and his purpose. And then I pray for the nations of the world and the missionaries. And pretty soon, if you do that, <laughs> do that, you're like, wow, this is taking way too long. <laughs> right? And, but, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. Time with him. Time with him, because at the end of the day, it's not about just fulfilling a requirement. It's not about a check mark. It's about investing in the relationship you have with him. I want you to look at the last verse. The last verse. I'll close with this. It's from the Message Bible, and so it's in a modern day translation. It's the verse that, that, that says, come to me all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Look what he says. Jesus says, are you tired? You're worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me. Come to me and get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. He has a different way of working than you and I. If you'll work with him, your work will be easier. He says, learn the unforced rhythms of grace. That's what we're talking about. Unforced rhythms of grace, God's grace in your life. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely 
and lightly. I can tell you that's what I want. I can trace every frustration and fear that I have back to not spending enough time with him. Close your eyes and bow your heads. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you for a moment. I want you to just allow him to draw you today. Some of you might think, well, I've been a Christian for a long time. I didn't, I didn't, I knew everything you just said. Well, here's what I think. Sometimes we don't need new truths. We just need to be reminded of the old, ancient, steadfast foundations of our faith. And, and time with him is indispensable. It, it is the thing that makes us who we are. It begins to determine our decision and directions and determines our interaction with other people. And so I, if you're here this morning and you're like, I, I don't even, I've never practiced what you're talking about. I, I haven't had a relationship with Christ, but I, I sense what you're saying and I know that he's calling me and I, I've been stuck on my own way of looking at it and I've been doing my own thing and I haven't really taken time for him. With your eyes closed, your head bowed, I'm not going to call you forward, but if you say, Pastor, would you please pray for me? Because I, I, I need what you're talking about. I'm going to commit my life to Christ today. Just shoot your hand up in the air right now. Say yes. Yep, I see you in the back. Who else? Who else? Over here on the side. Several of you over there. Yeah, way in the back. Oh, anybody else? Yep, this is me. This is, this is me. I, I need what you're talking about. I'm going to give my life. Even if you've been a Christian for a long time, and this is your moment to say, okay, I'm coming back to him. Just lift up your hand and say, Pastor, come on, pray for me. Yep. So good, so good. Such a good decision. Jesus is working in your life. Come on, everybody pray this prayer with me. Now remember, it's not about necessarily the words you say. It's about what's going on in your heart. So I'm going to feed you the words, and you just pray with me, all right? Everybody together, everybody across the room say, Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus who showed us the way by spending time with you. Forgive me, Lord, for doing my own thing, for doing life without you. I repent of my sin. I give you my heart in a new way today. I offer my life with no restrictions. I surrender everything because I need you to help me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for cleansing me and giving me a fresh start. Father, I pray for every person that prayed that prayer today, that the power of the Holy Spirit would come upon them and that you would seal the work that you're doing even now in this moment so that we can, so that we can understand your desire for us that you love us. You're calling us to yourself. Thank you for that, Lord. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.